He's back. Sports Radio is back. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the Lowdown. Today's show, Oilers preseason underway, and there's another game tonight. And how do you score 70 in an NFL game unless the opponent was visited by Jigglypuff? Can you believe that? 7-0. I think the record is 7-2, and they could have done it. They could have beaten the record if they'd left the starters in. Ridiculous. Never thought I'd see that. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, and everywhere, obviously. If you turn your radio on and online, we're here. Text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Want to say hi to Doug and also to Mary out there. Our guest today, Bill Bender from the Sporting News to Talk NFL. Alicia Nasser, PhD candidate, board certified behavior analyst, specializing in behavioral sports psychology, high performance coach and adjunct professor in the Department of Theoretical and Behavioral Foundations at Wayne State University. We're going to talk about preparing for a season and why athletes have to do so much of the work before camp. They've already got to be locked and loaded in their brains. And we'll talk to her about that. Jason Greger will be by talking Oilers, wild football weekend on both sides of the border. And we'll have a lot of other things to pass along as well. Oilers-Jets, I thought, was a great game. That might be the best opening, like, first preseason game the Oilers have ever played, going back to 79. It was exciting. Everybody looked organized. The defense was mostly tight. I thought rookie goaltender Olivier Rodrigue was excellent. Uh, Philip Broberg, he made a one poor pass, and other than that, I liked his game. He kept it very simple with his partner, Vincent DeHarnay. And Bo Aiki made a poor decision, but I liked his game, too. Aiki got sent out uh, to Barry of the OHL. He was the only teenager on the roster. He got a game in, and I thought he played very well. My favorite young player from last night was Xavier Borgo. He was the prospect, in my opinion, who did the most to help himself. Head on a swivel, making solid decisions with the puck, with and without the puck, Absolute music. Uh, he had some chances. I was so impressed with Xavier Borgo. I'm glad they gave that line so many minutes because I think it was fairly effective. Jay Woodcroft did mention that in the post game. But Borgo did a lot. He intercepted a, a puck in the neutral zone that was headed for danger and was just really smart about it. He reminds me of, here I go. Are you ready? He reminds me of Sean Horkoff in about 2000. Now, Horkoff was a center. He was a little older and more substantial build. However, Really smart hockey player is Xavier Burgo. When they drafted him, I don't know if they felt that he was going to be this player type, but everybody should be very pleased with his development. He looks good. Nurse to Bouchard uh, for the outlets. I don't know if you saw it, but Woodcroft's all about it. He said he'd like to see it for a longer period. Remember Dan Boyle in San Jose? When he was there, when he was on the ice, everything funneled through him. So they'd fire the puck around the right-hand side. He'd grab it, and then he would make the outlet pass or, or transport the puck. I I feel like that might be happening with Nurse Bouchard because Nurse simplifies his passing game, give it to Bouchard, and he can also be the physical player. Uh, and between the two of them, they can they can cover. And and I think we might be this, seeing the beginning of a pairing, and that would mean the other pairing, the other one A pairing, would be um, Ekholm with Broberg. So two young guys with two veterans. I like it. They can all fly too. Well, Bouchard can't fly, but, you know, I, I like the combination that may be coming. 
don't know if you heard about this or not, but Tyson Berry revealed in a podcast, Mitsoff, that's the Luke Gastrick uh, podcast, the Oilers attempted to trade him to San Jose for Eric Carlson at the deadline. Didn't happen. You know why it didn't happen? I'm going to say this again. I said it on the other station for years, and nobody believed me. Now I'm hoping you will believe me. It goes like this. Carlson's contract is a lot for a long time. And Mike Greer is the GM. San Jose ownership are, I wouldn't say they're frugal, but they're aware that money is important. And for every one of those years, the Oilers were going to need San Jose to take on some money or another team to take on some of the money. That's basically a first-round draft pick. Ken Holland would have ravaged, ravaged his asset pile if he had made that trade. You should be happy that trade didn't happen. Matthias Ekholm cost less and delivered a lot. I absolutely think that the Edmonton Oilers... I know there was a big push in the organization for Carlson. Got to get Carlson, got to get Carlson. But, we, you know, I understand obsession. I can get obsessive about things. Trust me on that. I'm going to tell you a story in a minute that, that will tell you how obsessive I can get. But it's not a good thing always. Sometimes what you, what you don't have or don't get is a good thing. It's like that Stone song. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you get what you need. Oh, man. Yeah. So game two in Winnipeg tonight. For the players who are going, they're going to fly out now. They were practiced this morning. They fly out, then they play, and then they fly home. Longest day in the NHL season for any Edmonton Oilers player. It just is. And some of them played last night. I think Holloway's playing la- played last night, practiced this morning, flies out, plays, flies home. What's the longest work day you've ever had? The one that you were so exhausted or work weekend or couple of days where you were just dragging your ass and people would talk to you and you didn't even hear them anymore? I mean, I probably had some 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 summer jobs, some labor summer jobs where I was pulling 12, 14 hours. So those were probably the toughest. Was it, and was I wasn't it like flying private. W- working with sod or something? Or Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those yeah, are tough like jobs. I'm, yeah. Um, but I've been pretty blessed. I, I haven't been in too many situations where I've had to really work hard. I can look in the mirror and acknowledge that. So I do have it pretty easy. But mm. but those days were always long and they were always tough. And when, like I said, I wasn't, fl- I wasn't flying private. When I was a really young broadcaster, I had been in the, the business maybe a couple of years, there was a uh, some kind of... It wasn't a farm show, but it might have been ag plus something else in Rocky Mountain House. And it was a uh, lots of different, you know, booths and things. And my job was there was three cut-ins an hour. I was on a remote, three cut-ins an hour. And I had to find three different clients on this list and then prepare the cut-in and do a 60-second on each of them. And I did. I worked, I remember it was 4 till 10 on Friday, 9 till 5 on Saturday, 9 till 5 on Sunday. And it was it was insane work. It was so much. My brain could barely keep up. And what was the mistake was I didn't stay in Rocky Mountain House. I drove back home to Red Deer every night. And I remember on that Sunday night contemplating, you know, getting into another industry. <laughs> so it's just like I was done. I'm like, I can't think anymore. My brain will not work anymore. But we're so glad you didn't. I don't know. We're glad you toughed it out. I don't know. I'm not sure that's true. Somebody else could have come along nfl weekend was incredible dolphins i still i still can't believe the score like i looked at it i did not watch the game i was playing golf yesterday um and i i when you see a score like that you assume the quarterback has nine touchdown throws just because and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes because 
I, I think the story isn't, well, it is sort of the quarterback, but Bill Bender from the Sporting News will talk to us about it at 1220. I think, I think Mike, is Mike McDaniel a genius? Is that what you would say? Is he, that what it is? He's a really, really good coach. I mean, he comes from that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, obviously out there in San Francisco. Took a lot from him, and he always draws. Same with like sim, similar to Kyle, he always draws up a really good system. He knows defenses really well, and and he is a very, very good coach. He schemes incredibly well for his guys. This is becoming a story. The Dolphins aren't. It's not just Tua, right? Like we were all no. worried about him coming back, and you know, is he going to be like, well, he's fine, but he's it's. It's everybody. They're they, they're just doing stuff. They got a lot of dudes on that team. Like if you just want to list guys who are really good at football, the Dolphins have a lot of guys you can name. Yeah, they've done well there. I, I love this. Um, I love this Taylor Swift. Uh, which Kelsey is it? Travis or Jason? Travis. 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 Kelsey. Yeah, I don't want to J- get that wrong. No, Jason. I hope she didn't mix that up. You know, I well, think I, I got a feeling she's got it. She's got a hold on it. I just I, I I'm. Like some of the takes I'm seeing online, where you know she's just taking advantage. Do you know how much more famous she is than he oh, is? Oh, not even. It's not even close. Right. It's so not even close. What is she exactly taking advantage of? I mean, I think she's making the Chiefs sexier, and that's mm-hmm. hard to do. It's a Hank lot. Stram coached for them. It's a lot of extra work for the NFL camera guys. But outside of that, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just find the entire situation a little bit ridiculous. I mean, we wish them nothing but happiness. But even if it doesn't work out, you've got two heartbreak albums coming from Taylor Swift afterwards. I'm sure there are Twitter accounts for Taylor Swift's left hand that have more fans than Travis Kelsey do. And that's no disrespect to Travis Kelsey. No, a great player. That's just how good, that's just how famous Taylor Swift is. Yes, and she's been famous for a long time. There seems to be, and maybe I'm wrong, because sometimes I, I, I come to the defense of people. I like Taylor Swift. I don't know many of her songs, but she's she's a, seems like a nice person, and she writes songs that aren't vulgar, I don't think. She's got hits. And, okay. And <laughs> thanks for chiming in. It was really good. You add so much with those little... The hot mics, sorry. She's got hits. Okay, um, but I, there seems to be an underlying. Does she say things that are bad? Because I think I, I think mostly she's about goodness politically. So is there something that I'm missing about her? Does she drag people or there? I think and listen, I'm not going to sit up here and act like a pop culture expert or a Taylor Swift expert. But the one thing I do think it was is that records from her private jets flight came out, and it was it was damning how harmful to the environment it was. Like she was taking private private jets from like la to san diego from new york to hoboken type thing like she anywhere she needs anytime she needs to go anywhere she's hopping in the pj okay can i ask you something yeah would i do the same if you were as rich as she was i i would definitely be taking the pj with all my friends but i would i would i would still road trip it a fair bit i love a good road trip i do too but and i feel like when you're that famous a road trip can be time to kind of you know like relax and just enjoy taking the surroundings and enjoy everything i'm not sure i i'm not i'm not that rich i i can't comment on it but i do think it's interesting uh notre dame at 11 after a series of unfortunate decisions on the final drive i was watching the game and i'm just screaming at them incredible game but 10 men on the field the last two plays ridiculous the ohio state up to number four now georgia at number one does your ranking change at all yes i have ohio state up to number two in in declan's power rankings of power i think listen i think notre dame i don't see too many teams in that top 10 that 
would beat them that I would say would beat them with a hundred percent certainty. I think Georgia's in there, Michigan's in there. I think they can play everybody tough, and I think that win for Ohio State by far the best win any team has in the in the country this year. So they're up to number two. Does does Notre Dame's tomfoolery cost them a chance at a national championship? I mean, here's the thing: they got to play USC and they got to play Clemson. Clemson's not not what they once were. That should be a win. They got to play USC, and if they can win that game, they got to hope Ohio State can run the table because it's going to come down to the end of the season. They're going to look at the record and say, okay, Notre Dame has that one loss. It was a home loss on the last play of the game to Ohio State, but Ohio State was really, really good. They ran the table. Notre Dame's not out of it. One loss is in the death sentence it used to be in the college football playoffs. Interesting to know, and I appreciate your insight. Ethiopia's Tigst Asefa shattered the women's marathon world record by over two minutes. Sunday morning in Berlin. Mark Paleo at The Athletic has a great article on that. Two minutes. I know it's a marathon, but two minutes? That's like if the the NHL scoring record in a year is 92 goals by Gretzky. That's like scoring 132 to break the record. Marathon runners are superheroes. They are superhuman athletes. That's incredible. It's incredible. I have nothing but all the respect in the world. And this was news to me, so I'm very happy to hear it. But those marathon runners are superheroes. What they do is incredible. We have the lines. Do you want to hear the lines in Winnipeg tonight? Yes. This is what you call. This is like, okay, we got to send somebody to Winnipeg after practice, and they're flying home tonight. So let's not make anybody mad. It goes like this. The top line is Malone between Ernie and Lavoie, McKeg between Holloway and Griffith, Grew between Stonehouse and Bargo, Berglund between Petrov and Tulio, and Cambites is the extra. Kulak, Cece, Hoffenmeyer, DeHarnay, Deneen, Warner, Kemp, the extra. Picard will start Rodrigue, the backup. That's as much of a skeleton crew as you can get and still have enough veterans. Despite saying that, is there is there a line pairing you're looking at saying, I'm going to be paying attention to those guys? Well, I want to see Lavoie. I think Raphael Lavoie is a really interesting player for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Um, I wrote about him in the Athletic today about you know if you can't if he can't make the team you might want to trade him because I don't think he's going to clear waivers so he's the guy I like Hoffenmeyer I like the name you know I, he should have a popcorn you know what I mean Hoffenmeyer popcorn every kernel pops I mean if he gets good enough brand deals right there it's his to take I think it is so those are the two I'm most interested in seeing but I want to see Borgo again I'm thrilled that he's uh, playing again tonight because he played so well. And I think that, you know, I think there's something there. All right. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to give the rundown of the show. Bill Bender from the Sporting News is on the way. We're going to talk about the Dolphins, but also Deshaun Watson really showed up. Dallas, what's going on there? And we'll talk about the Monday Nighters. Alicia Nasser, uh, who is uh, basically looking into behavior, behavioral sports psychology and high performances and what works. We'll talk to Alicia at 1240. And after 1 o'clock today, Jason Greger will break down the Otis Jets last night and tonight, plus CFL and NFL. So please stay tuned. We've got a lot going on. We hope you stay tuned. You can also text us anytime. The number is 1. i got to find it here. It's right on the tip of my tongue, I swear to you. 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. It's the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. And don't forget, tomorrow, Twang Tuesday. I'm hoping for Patsy and Willie, maybe Waylon, maybe a little Merle. Maybe we'll get the... What do they call them, the... You can't call them the Dixie Chicks anymore. What do they call them? I think they're just the Chicks. Okay. These days. Well, I like them. Everybody but Earl likes them.
Do we have Bill Bender? Amen. Bill Bender joins us now from the Sporting News. I will tell you, sir, that when I was a young man, the Sporting News, I loved reading it, cover to cover, great coverage of every sport, uh, still going strong. Uh, congratulations on working for such a great publication. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been there for uh, 16 years now, and every season's a little bit different, but it's been a lot of fun being there. So I want to break down the Dolphins-Broncos uh, and I want to ask a, a legit question, even though it gets overused. Is, is Mike McDaniel some kind of genius? Is, is this real? Yeah, I think so. As long as Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy and you have that receivers, they play a lot of speed and space principles. It's not all that different from what some college games, uh, college teams do. What, what struck me most is that looked like a college score when – Ohio State was playing like Bowling Green, but we were dealing with two NFL teams. It's really impressive, and they're heading into a really fun game this weekend against Buffalo. I mean, I don't know that that rivalry has been this good since uh, Tim Kelly and Dan Marino were running yeah. around. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, some I don't know if it's controversy or not, but Xavier uh, Howard was talking about how disrespectful it was uh, to leave Russell Wilson in for 100% of the, the snaps, losing by 50, you'd think maybe bringing him up. Is there anything there, or is it just one guy reacting to uh, what was a you know kind of a crazy game? Well, yeah, I, I would pull the starters at some point, you know, if you're losing by that many, and whether you're just trying to get competitive reps or not. But, I mean, when you're down 50, something's clearly going wrong. And, yeah, so I, I, it's a little bit of an overreaction, but – Every team does things differently. So I probably would have pulled him, though. What about Deshaun Watson? How do we, It seems like week to week it's love him, hate him, love him, hate him, love him, hate him. And, I mean, the Browns are, are you know, they've got injuries now, or at least one major one. What did you think of his game? Better. And, you know, they. I don't want to typecast him as a game manager rule, but – with that defense, that's exactly what you need to do is kind of like don't go out there and mess it up. The defense is playing out of this world and played out of this world in the Pittsburgh game. So I think as long as Deshaun Lawson doesn't turn the ball over, isn't wildly inconsistent, I can tell you guys something. I do our weekly picks at Sporting News, and I haven't got a Browns game right this week or, or this year. <laughs> so I would – I have them – play Baltimore. I have Baltimore winning a close one, so – Maybe your listeners should take the Browns this week. Oh, there you go. Uh, the, the the other game I want to talk about um, is is Dallas. Uh, I, I'm an Eagles fan, so I like I every year around this time I resign myself to the fact that the Cowboys are good uh, and the Eagles are good. But the Cowboys traditionally, on my whole life, basically, if they're good and the Eagles are good, the Cowboys trump the Eagles, and they stubbed their toe, or did they against the Cardinals? Yeah, that was probably the most surprising result of week three I don't there was a couple other ones like Baltimore losing but um yeah what a wild game and for Dak it's it's one of those things when he's on the road sometimes this happens I like him at home and they get to go back home this week play New England a game that you know it should be more glamorous and having them as a touchdown favorite but I think it's a little bit of a home and road thing as far as the Eagles yeah these two teams will probably be looking at each other in the mirror all season because that's the NFC East and they're two of the I think four best teams in the NFC right now I think San Francisco Philly Dallas and then we can get into like a 
light discussion about Detroit, depending on what they do yeah. Thursday against Green Bay. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of Green Bay, I, like I've had teams blow it late, but that just seemed to be like if you're the Saints and you're up, I think like at the end of the third quarter, I think they were up seventeen nothing. I believe that's correct, mm-hmm. and they lose eighteen seventeen. I mean, it's just it's it's a that can't happen, can it? Well, I mean, no, but credit to Jordan Love. Now, Green Bay started the fourth quarter deep in Saints territory, so it was basically a two-score game at that point, one way or the other. Um, But phenomenal. And for Green Bay fans, it's going to be an interesting experience this year. I can say that because I am one. I've always rooted for the Packers, and they're going to play a lot of one-score games. They are, and there's going to be learning. They learned in week two. They, they blew the lead in week two. This week they come back from a huge hole, and this Thursday they play a pretty good Detroit team. So there's going to be ups and downs with Jordan Love, but nothing impre- but impressed with him is, you know, there's some inconsistency you'd see in the passing game sometimes, but he's not turning the ball over, and that's what matters. So how far do you go back with uh... – with the Packers, like what? Who was the quarterback when you were a fan the first time of the Pack? See, I get that question a lot, and I feel like it's like, "What are your credentials?" So <laughs> I'll, I'll answer because it's it's. I can I, I have a defense. I, I, I'm old enough to remember Lynn Dickey. Oh, quarterback. Well, you so, are bona fide. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't need my credentials checked, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I remember some very bad years growing up, and then it's been. 30 years because that lack of more Super Bowls hangs over you, right? So yeah. I think all of those are criticisms are fair, but you know, in terms of, like I said, as a fan and not a writer, it's kind of a fun experience watching Jordan Love. It reminds me of early Favre and early Rodgers where they have to prove themselves and I think there's the pressure of Green Bay has to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, you're right with me because I remember Lynn Dickey and I don't remember John Hadle and I think Dickey followed Hadel, so we probably were probably of similar vintage. Um, let's talk about the Monday Nighters. Um, let's start with the Eagles Buccaneers. What's your expectation there? Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift and Jalen Hurts, and yeah. they keep running the ball with those guys and just really taking care of business. I mean, it's a game within the game for the Eagles. I know we just talked about the Cowboys, but. They have to keep pace with San Francisco, too. I think San Francisco and Philadelphia have separated themselves as the best team in the NFC. Baker's been pretty good for Tampa Bay because he's keeping it simple and getting the ball to Mike Evans. So I think those two things collide. But I like Philly. I like that running game. I think they keep it rolling. And, um, yeah, it's just a really good team. But definitely pleasantly surprised with Tampa Bay here early in the season. So, And then the other one, where are we with uh, Joe Burrow? Sounds like he's working out and going to try to make a push to play. You're going to have to take that up to the game time if you're a fantasy football owner, for instance, like me, who has Burrow and Stafford on the same team. Just remember to check your team. Um, the Bengals, though, they really can't afford to go in an 0-3 hole. No. We just talked about how improved the Browns are, and the Ravens are ahead of them. They've already lost that game, and they already lost to the Browns. And you fall 0-3, it's really difficult to climb back into that playoff mix. Bill Bender, our guest from the Sporting News. Final one. Do you have a biggest surprise team, good or bad, so far in the NFL? Well, 
no, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised with the Colts as mm-hmm. a good um, beating Baltimore, being two and one. They hung with Jacksonville in week one. They didn't play bad. And, you know, a lot of things were written about Anthony Richardson to start the season. I know he didn't play this week, but I mean, the Colts, for as messy as it can be sometimes, I think they've played well. Same token, C.J. Stroud off to a really good start for the Texans. Got sacked 11 times the first two weeks. Bounces back. They protect him. He gets the ball out. I mean, I saw that for a couple years at Ohio State. You give C.J. Stroud time, his accuracy is going to stand out. Bill Bender, you remember Lynn Dickey, so you're good in my books. Thank you. Yeah, I have a jersey in my uh, closet somewhere. I'm a little big for that now. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Bill Bender. From Sporting News, national writer, talking about the NFL, talking about his packs and my Eagles and where they're going. And uh, your Bills won, didn't they? Yeah, it wasn't even close. They ran through Washington. Washington, like Sam Howell was throwing interceptions every second drive, it seemed like. Davis White had an incredible interception at the goal line, by the way. What I noticed about the Bills is they're blitzing seemingly all the time. Yeah, they like to send pressure. Well, it's it's working. But I mean, with a with a young quarterback like that, Sam Howell, who hasn't had too too much game experience, you can't have a defensive look from the practice squad the way the, the what what the Bills can give you. You have to bring pressure and make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Way to bury the lead there, low tide. How was golf? I enjoyed it. I had a really good time. Uh, I've been out only a few times uh, this summer, late in the summer, with my friend Rod, and we've been I think three or four times. I suck. Uh, but my clubs are too old to use, so they're they're at home, and I just do rentals. I'm going to buy some clubs here this winter, and get out, you know, in the spring and the summer because you have to golf fifty times a year, I think, right? What did you What did you shoot? I it was bad. Fifty times is a lot. Fifty times is a lot. Like twenty, I think, is a good number. But I'm not an avid golfer. Yeah, you're a swimmer. So yeah. well, was I left that life behind? Yeah, but don't you just swim casually? Don't you like go never? Out? Nope. You're not a ringer for any. I think big, big, you know, leather jacket, hood boy kind of uh, swimming. Honestly, since I like I've been in lakes and oceans and pools (laughs) casually, but I honestly think in the like 10 years, 10, 10, 11 years now since I've quit swimming, I think I've swam for a workout three or four times. All right. I I left it behind. Never looked back. I don't know. By the way, I great I'm, great segue to not telling us what you shot. By the way, I I didn't count. Like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. just so bad. All right, like, okay, I, okay. Like I'll I, drop I, it. I would I will tell you it would have been over a hundred. Okay. No. Um. Who was what was going on with the Raiders? You would think Jason Moss was coaching. <laughs> There's some. Well, I'm not going to complain if you saw the Notre Dame game. A, no other team on the planet Earth that plays football can complain about. Selection having not enough men on the field. It was a it was an absolute nightmare. The, I knew they were going to lose that game. I knew as soon as they they were on fourth and something, and the, uh, they've been going across the middle Ohio State forever. And they and I'm like, how could you be that? Your middle linebacker has to play just center field right there. They're just ghastly football game. Not at, only at the end though. The rest of it was fine. They drop into too much middle zone coverage and try and flow to the play, and you can't do that with no. a guy like Marvin Harrison. Ohio State is at least as good as Notre Dame. You, you can't. Oh, they're be, more talented. Yeah, you can't be playing them like, oh yeah, well we'll we'll play, you know, we'll play off coverage wise and still be, be able to make the play. No way, they're really good. It's not Tennessee State anymore. <sighs> Anyone calling Broberg a bust should recall uh, everyone was calling for Bouchard as a bust this time last year. It's true. 
Edmonton Oilers fans, I love you, but there's a there's a memory lapse here when it comes to things like that. By the way, I should warn you. I've already warned my friend Declan, but um, I'm I'm mostly off caffeine. I'm drinking decaf coffee, and so if I get grumpy or anything like the Broberg thing, uh, calling you names or whatever, I, I apologize. Uh, it's it's me, not you. None taken. All right, it's okay. It's Monday. Everyone gets a break on Monday. Well, this is going to be for a while, I think. I, I don't have a headache or anything, but I'm understanding that comes in later on, I guess. So this is a regular thing. I, I, one of the things that I do in life is if I quit you, like if all of a sudden I don't like you, you're, you're, I don't ghost you, but I don't listen to you anymore either. And then I say things that are kind of double-edged, like keep doing what you're doing, and you know, you're like, what the hell does that mean? What is it? I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, I am a very petty man at times. So just beware. I'll stay quiet. Do I'm my job. Watching you. Okay. I don't want any more of that shenanigan stuff that you've been pulling. If you wanted even less shenanigans, it's going to be a pretty boring show because <laughs> I've kept it uh, on the straight and narrow so far. Well, I'm looking forward to our next guest. I was casting about looking for somebody who could help us in terms of you know sleep patterns, in terms of optimal, in terms of all of that. And I have my friend Jeff Grishel, but I wanted a little different uh, uh, feel. And we, I believe we have it with Alicia Nasser, uh, who does a high-performance coach and adjunct professor at Wayne State University, uh, is into uh, behavioral analyst uh, specializing in behavioral sports psychology. And, and we're going to drill down on things like how much prep you do before training camp? Uh, is it a good idea to play sports other than the one that you are specialized in during whatever your off season is? Those kinds of questions, and you're welcome to send any questions into Alicia that you want to. Our number is one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. That's one eight three three. 401-1440, uh, and we'll have that conversation on the way. Next, the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 12.39. This is the lowdown. We're hanging out until 2 o'clock today. And Jason Greger hits the airwaves. Preview of the Oilers game against the Jets. They're all flying to Winnipeg. We'll have more on that. Uh, at the top of the hour, and with Jason at 20 after 1 o'clock today. Joined now by Alicia Nasser, PhD candidate, board-certified behavior analyst, specializing in behavioral sports psychology, high-performance coach, and adjunct professor in the Department of Theoretical and Behavioral Foundations at Wayne State University. That's a lot. You're obviously qualified. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So hockey is back, but I think it's the same with every sport. Players are on the ice or the field. They're getting ready. How much preparation should a high-performance athlete do before training camp, and, and what would it look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know if it's so much about how much a player should be doing as opposed to what kind, right? So it's like anything in life. It's quality over uh, quantity. Um, you know, you want to just be training the right way. It's the same way for strength and conditioning and skills training. You want to be training the right way. Mental performance, you want to train the right way. You know, the best time, I tell all the players that I work with, the best time to put out a fire is not when you're in a fire. So the best time to learn how to navigate your mental landscape when you are on the ice and you are in high pressure situations um, is not when you're in those high pressure situations. So um, you know, it's about the quality of it. What it would look like definitely is for sure working with a professional, somebody who knows what they're doing with respect to psychology, sports psychology, um, and what have you. It's, um, you know, equally important to 
really work on your emotional agility and your psychological flexibility, the way that a player, you know, goalies, for example, work on their flexibility because they have to maneuver their body in all these weird, awkward positions to protect a puck, right? And so the same way that we have to perform in a way where we are, you know, defending ourselves from uncomfortable situations on the ice, perhaps for hockey players, um, it's really important to train those skills prior. So I don't think it's so much about how much rather than, you know, it's, the quality of what you're doing. Interesting. Is it downtime or, or time pursuing other sports not related specifically to the sport played important? Because the reason I ask that is I, I've had some people say, no, you can train the same all year round. And then others saying it's, it's, you know, like go swimming or running up the side of a hill because it, yeah. you're, you're sort of doing a different pursuit and your brain as much as anything needs that. You know, it's interesting you say that I've had a lot of ho- hockey parents, like for the younger guys that I work with that, uh, maybe are not D1 or pro. Uh, I work with all ages, but um, more so pro and D1. But for the younger generation, I do hear a lot of parents and uh, a lot of coaches sometimes will say, take the summer off, you know, go do something else, play a different sport. Quite frankly, I don't think it matters much. Uh, I, there's definitely no scientific literature in psychology that backs it up to say that one is better than the other. I think, you know, if you want to be playing 365 days a year, play 365 days a year. If it's something you don't want to be doing and you want to take a break, take a break. I think like anything in life, sometimes a break can spark creativity. You come back to the sport. It rekindles your interest and your passion for it. But I don't think it really matters much. I know that maybe is not what the conventional uh, route and way of thinking is right now. But, you know, if you're asking me if there's scientific literature to back that up, there really isn't. Just do whatever works for you. I think it's person and player specific. Alicia Nasser joining us, talking about uh – behavioral, you know, sports psychology and how to get peak performance. Uh, I, I know a lot of this is mental, uh, and and I wonder about that side of readiness needs to be in place for these players. Last year, the Oilers had a player who got down on himself. There was an equipment change, and he could never reset. So how 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 important it is to be set for training camp, and then can you reset if things go awry, or is that something you kind of have to let wash through and then and then wait for next year? Yeah, so this is like a two-part question. So I'll give you first about, you know, how much of the prep is mental and does that does that side of the readiness need to be in place now for the season? Um, and then I'll answer about, you know, what can you come back from it? So first things first, you know, it should have already been in place. The season's about to start and, uh, you know, they're in training camp right now and what have you. It should already be in place. You know, no one's learning how to play hockey on the ice right now. It's already been in those skills and the strength that they have and the conditioning that they have and the plays and understanding, you know, how your team is operating, all of that has been in place. The same goes for your mental performance. So it's not this, okay, last minute, we're going to check off this little box at the end before we prep, you know, we're ready for the season. It should already be in place. Now it doesn't mean you still can't gain those skills. If you don't have them, you know, it's skills training, right? Like any sport strength and conditioning, mental skills should be included in that. It's not so much about the mental preparation. It's more about mental awareness, though. So what's happening in the landscape of your mind, having understanding of that as a player, and I'll tell you, too, uh, as a coach, because we, you know, really what we need, I've, I've realized, especially in hockey, is emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent coaches. There's a lot of research that supports emotionally intelligent coaches and players actually play longer in their playing career, actually have better stats. But we can't have emotionally intelligent players if we don't have coaches who are self-aware as well, right? And so, you know, between shifts on the ice in the locker room, mid-game and over time, whatever the case is, you have to have an awareness and understanding of the contents of what's happening in your, your, mental, your mental space, your mental game. 
Um, and then to answer, you know, how much of the performance is, you know, I hear a lot. It's all between the ears and, you know, sports is uh, like 90% psychological. People will say 90% mental. And, you know, I'm going to give you an unconventional answer, but the truth is like scientifically, not much of it is actually, um, I don't want to say not much of it is mental, but sport is behavioral. Sport is tactical. Sport is observable, right? If it were not, not so much of it is not necessarily mental because if it were, players wouldn't have to physically train so much, right? Uh, so a lot of it's behavioral, but that does not mean that the mental aspect and those influences don't get in the way of the behavioral and tactical sometimes. So it's about kind of toning it back down when those mental variables do get in the way, but a lot of it really isn't mental. It's all behavioral. They already know how to do it. You know, the body already knows how to work and what to do. It's just a matter of um, when the in, when the psychological aspects do interfere, having right techniques and strategies and concepts to tone it down and regain, you know, your um, awareness and where you're going on the ice and what have you. So, um, and then go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. I was I was just going to say, you know, uh, you asked, can you know an athlete recover confidence in season? A hundred percent, definitely they can if they have the right professional support. And I will tell you, I get this a lot from D1 players and pro players that I've, I've worked with where they don't have that support, not because it's not available to them, but maybe perhaps they're just not seeking it out because they're hesitant for good reason, whatever the case might be. But essentially what happens is when a player, one thing will happen, right? Like let's say they don't make the starting line. They make the starting line and the next game they don't, or they're pulled out of a shift or whatever the case might be. Then from there, their mind does go into some spiral uh, effect where they're oriented in a downward direction and it's really difficult for them to get out of that and come back to their playing potential but it is 1000 percent possible you just have to work with a professional like myself or someone else who is trained clinically and knows what they're doing to be able to implement and intervene with the right techniques and strategies to get you back to your playing potential because it's very much possible because we know you can do it otherwise you wouldn't be there yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Alicia Nasser joining us uh, on the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. I wanted to talk a little bit because as you were talking, I thought about regression. I used to be in a rotisserie baseball team and I would always trade my pitcher when he was he'd won 10 games, but but the numbers showed some regression in terms of allowing too many walks or too many home runs and I could sort of time it and I got pretty good at it or lucky one of the two. So for an athlete mm-hmm. when 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 regression is happening in a negative way, is it, it mm-hmm. we use terms like mental toughness and I don't like those because it implies that there's weakness on the other side, but how much of it is uh-huh. maybe not, uh, not being unfazed by it by, because luck is luck, right? And you can ha- you can be a great mm-hmm. player and luck will bite you, but you just got to stay the mm-hmm. course. But mental toughness doesn't seem to be an adequate description. No, it's not. I agree with you a hundred percent. I actually think what's a better description is self-assurance and self-trust. And these two are components of adequate self-esteem. So self-esteem is not just one thing. Self-esteem is made up of a bunch of components, which maybe another time if I pop on, we'll talk about that. But two components that are related to our discussion right now is self-trust and self-assurance. So what that means is you trust in your mind to navigate difficulty, which means I know that I'm going to mess up as a player. Probably the chances are, you know, it's very slim that I'll get through a game or a season not messing up at least once but I trust in my ability and I'm self-assured that I know I can come back from it. Whereas opposed to the the alternative, which I think you're describing is I'm never going to mess up. 
and that expectation is faulty, right? It's not, it's not. So I think if we go into it with an expectation of, you know, messing up or not playing to our fullest potential is very possible. But I, what's also equally possible is my ability to esteem myself from within to mess up and not let it inflict wounds on my self-esteem because when it does that, I'm not a player at my fullest potential. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Alicia Nasser, next time self-esteem, we're going to have you back soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Take care. All right. Alicia Nasser, a Ph.D. candidate, board-certified behavior analyst specializing in behavioral sports psychology, high-performance coach and adjunct professor at the Department of Theoretical and Behavioral Foundations at Wayne State University. And some great answers in there. And, and some answers that I had not heard before, especially in terms of, of does it matter, you know, for training and whatever. And she, she feels like at some level, at earlier levels, it doesn't, you know, just make sure the athlete is active uh, and enjoying themselves and not getting themselves hurt. So that was, uh, that was interesting. I, I think there, that is an area that we will pursue on this show just from the point of view of, of athletes and performance. And, you know, sometimes I think we, we apply, I mentioned, uh, you know, stick it out or you've got to have a great attitude or you've got to be, you know, there's there's a strength and a weakness to to endurance. And what I know about sports, especially like, you know, baseball or hockey, is so much of it is luck. You know, the, the back in the olden days when I was a kid, they'd say, you know, uh, Jesus Alou has, you know, he's been hitting line drives everywhere, but they've been finding leather. One of these things is going to drop in. And that's that's a really elementary way of describing it, but I think part of when we talk about confidence or doing well or regression is is just the randomness of time, and and why that's important is what we were talking about with Alicia, and that is that that even though we can agree it's random, when we're in the moment, it doesn't feel random either for the fan or for the athlete involved. So glad we had her on, and I think we will have her on many times because. That's a that's an area where I I think we can mine them, and I think that if you have kids who are playing sports, there's a lot of information there that's available, uh, and and may help your child um, perform better, or at least not be so hard on themselves. Because I think we saw last year. And I'm not going to you know say who, but you know who. It was a really tough uh, tough season because there was a sense of the performance level was going to be there. And there was a lot of, well, he's not mentally tough enough. Okay. But how we all deal with those issues are, they, they are unique as we are unique. And I, I don't know. Next time I want to ask Alicia about, is there, is there a point at which an athlete, you know, can be too introspective? You know, is that not good? Do you go to a level that, that is maybe too far where you're, you're being, um, self-deprecating and maybe you're hurting yourself. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll talk about it. I don't even know if there's an answer, but I, I do think it's an interesting area, especially for Oiler fans who've maybe been through that. Really liking the idea of Nurse Bouchard and Ekholm Broberg pairings this year. Nurse plays his best when he can concentrate on being physical and defensive. LT, did I miss here the uh, on-ice uh, stats last night for Nurse and Bouchard? Somewhere between 
25 minutes for each. Isn't the aim here to see what we have in Broberg, DeHarnay? Why did they play so much in preseason? And Maximum should just be rolling the lines. Jay doesn't need to practice himself overplaying his best players. He's already an expert. Dunner in North Van. Uh, th- that information is available to you at Natural Statric. You can you look it up. I will for you. But it's a, a simple thing to do. And, you know, just a couple of clicks and you're there. I know that they played a lot, but in in the process of the game, you, it was a 65-minute game, right? So even though you're like, oh, it's 25 minutes, um, it, it, it was 25 minutes in a 65-minute game. Nurse played 25-18, Bouchard 24-55, Broberg played 18-58, Ben Gleason 18-40, Aki 17-25, and DeHarnay 17-25. There's some special teams minutes in there. I would say, in all honesty, without without you know looking it up, in a sixty-five minute game with three pairings, I would say that that you would be more accurate to say that Jay Woodcroft did in fact roll three pairings at five on five, and then special teams may have been the difference between seventeen or eighteen minutes of Broberg and twenty-five minutes of Darnell Nurse. That's my guess. I'd have to look you know deeper into it, but um. Emmy here, YYC, look, I agree, or luck, I agree. Look at, uh, Eberly had no luck, even working so hard to get goals. It's true. Even really good players can go through periods of time that were, that are just kind of, you know, you're like, what the hell? If you want to do a really good exercise, uh, go to baseball reference and look at Pete Rose. You will see from about 65 to about 80, there is like, 350, 325, 333, 344, 360, 321, 270, 318, 324, 330, 340. There's just a year in there where nothing was landing. And I looked I looked at that year and he didn't have any real injury issues. So it happens. There's a randomness and a luck to sports that even though in our own mind we know it, we can't we can't allow it because it doesn't make sense. And when things don't make sense to our brain, we get anxious. Mr. Tide, are two players who aren't getting any headlines but are intriguing to me, James Hamblin and Alex Peters. Any thoughts on expectations for those two this year from Cheb? I will say in terms of Hamblin, he could play. I thought he had a really good game last night, and he does play center, and he wins face-off, so he's a guy who might get recalled. But with, with Sutter and the other players that they've signed, including Lane Peterson, I think it's less likely that he plays in the NHL this year, but I think he's a good player. Alex Peters is a, a really good AHL defenseman. He does not have an NHL contract. I think he could, but he's he's helpful in the AHL. I don't know that he's an NHL player. The orders don't either because they haven't signed him, but we'll see how that goes. Jason Greger on the way in hour number two. We're going to have a lot of your comments as well and talk about and preview the Edmonton Oilers game against the Jets tonight. Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN 1260 and a sports update. It's time for a sports 1440 update. For your sports 1440 update, Edmonton Oilers news is the team has assigned Bo Akey to the Barry Colts of the OHL. Oilers, of course, in action tonight against the Jets. Puck drop at 6. You can watch the game live on Oilers+. Plus. Top line, Erne Malone-Lavoie, while Kulak and CeCe will be the top defensive pairing. Sean Couturier will play his first game in more than 20 months for the Flyers against the Devils at the Prudential Center tonight. Couturier's last game was December 2021, and he's had two back surgeries since. 
NFL news is Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams is officially out for the season with a torn ACL suffered in Sunday's 28-24 win over the Vikings. AJHL action over the weekend, 15 games on the slate, including the Spruce Grove Saints going 1-1 one one with a split against Olds, losing 3-0 in the first game and taking the second 2-1. Saints back in action tomorrow in Canmore. U of A dropped their first game of the season 54-37 to the UBC Thunderbirds over the weekend and will be back in action on Friday at home against the Regina Rams. U of A now 3-1 on the season. MLB action, just one game on the slate right now. Diamonds back, Diamondbacks and Yankees tied at 2-2 in the bottom of the sixth and two Monday night games in the NFL today. Eagles-Bucks at 5-15 and Rams-Bengals at 6-15. You can catch both those games at the Northside Canadian Brewhouse with Connor Halley. I'm Declan Kruger, and you're up to date. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.